Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sabi Sema Era podcast here on Spidey-Dude.com, powered by the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, we got to thank our friends over at Patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. Finkman, Scott, Greg, Kale, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, Catherine, Kegar, Laura, Master Dramon, Ed Reynolds, Allison Farquhar, Vicky, Scott, Janelle, and Vanessa. Thank you guys for your support over on Patreon.com slash Network. What do you get if you're over there on Patreon? Well, you're going to get some exclusive podcasts with the Spidey Experience, going to get the exclusive Books of X podcasts, as well as the video version of Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. That is going to be the home for all the, all the video episodes of that particular show moving forward. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, become a $5 patron and up, and you get to have access to the full Patreon page. But if you just want to support us and give us a buck, we got $1, $5, $15, and $25 tiers. The higher the, the higher the tiers, the more perks you get. So check us out over on patreon.com slash Spidey Dude Network. And be sure to join our Discord. Go over to spidey-dude.com, click the Discord link at the top of the page, and it will take you to our Discord. Join us where we uh, have discussions, and every single show has its own spot on our Discord. So thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Spectacular Sal Buscema era podcast. We are talking about Web of Spider-Man number 51, uh, which ran concurrently in terms of continuity with Spectacular Spider-Man 51 last week, which that episode will be up tomorrow. I'm a little late on it today because I had to get another podcast of mine up. Uh, go look at uh, Vampire Movie Minute podcast, and it's 75 to 80, kissing Patrick Stewart. Hey. I'm not even joking. <laughs> we're, also, we're talking about Web of Spider-Man. Uh, I'm sorry. Today, we're also talking about Spectacular Spider-Man 152, another part of the ongoing Lobo Brothers storyline, and also, I believe, one of the first issues of Spectacular Spider-Man I ever actually read that I was shocked by. And Drew has the plot synopsis for Web of Spider-Man issue 51. Hello, everyone. I'm going to do my best to do my most accurate impression of Chris reading this synopsis. Web of Spider-Man issue 51. Pause for dramatic effect. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Web of Spider-Man 51... Written by very good uh, Jerry Conway, guest penciler uh, Mark Bagley, inkers Keith Williams, colorist uh, Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, uh, the editor Jim Salakrup and Glenn Hurdling. Uh, published June 1989. Uh, it was quite spectacularly, Leo. Um, <clears throat> wow, came so out the with synop- that movie did. <laughs> exactly. So the synopsis is pretty simple. So you have the chameleon gathers all the directors of the Magia, which is a big crime organization, to say, I want to become the next crime lord of New York. He explains that the war between Kingpin and Loba brothers gives him the perfect opportunity to swoop in and take control. Uh, after the Magia is like, who the hell is this? He proves that he is the chameleon. And they said, you know what? We're going to give you our support. So the chameleon is so happy he's going to keep doing his impersonation of J. Joan Jameson, who we eventually see is being held captive and being brought breakfast. And because the chameleon can't help himself, he literally explains to Jonah that he's simply doing this to gain intel and focus on Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the kingpin. Of course, Jonah says, you'll never get away with this. And the chameleon deads him by saying, hi, you have no friends. No one cares. 
Mr. Peter Parker is dealing with everything from the weird MJ cousin, Kirstie, who still has a crush on him, but is harboring a dark secret, to failed uh, apartment hunting with a comical uh, apartment investigation that is just laughable by today's standards. And then we return to The Bugle, where Jonah refuses to publish anything about Spider-Man unless they make him look bad. So Peter is out, can't get money. Nick Katzenberg, who is a total sleaze, is still in. Peter, Sider says, still keeps going on about Jonah, but Peter says, I'm just overworking. Um, But we first discover that Glory Grant has taken the file that Jonah had about Kingpin for uh, her love, uh, Mr. Lobo, brother, who, as we can tell, just... She's head over heels, even though everything she's doing is completely wrong to her. Uh, you know, more makeouts with Eduardo Lobo, who basically is again interrupted by Peter, who still wonders, hey, why is my spider sense going off by this? And he says, I'm working too hard. Kingpin's arranger is basically saying, dude, your war with Daredevil is killing us. What the hell? He gets attacked by one of the Lobo brothers who is then intervened by Spider-Man. And he basically says, hey, you saved us from the Punisher way back in the lethal weapon swimming pool massacre i'm gonna i let you live what the hell i'm not i can't do chris so i'm just i'm I'm almost there the ranger lives but he realizes hey spider-man might be good to work with spider-man says piss off chameleon visits someone the magia recommends he works with which is hammerhead the flat top mobster who has a bone to pick with wilson fisk uh, after proving that he is the chameleon including transforming into chameleon and spider-man he says, let's be friends. We have a mutual enemy. Let's go kick his ass. While the arranger uh, meets with Spider-Man and says, I need your help stopping the Lober brothers. Everybody's dying. People are leaving. And and uh, Spider-Man says, I won't help scum like you. But then the ranger says, hey, innocent people are going to die if a gang war happens. And he's like, shit. <laughs> Power and responsibility. How can I ignore this? The end. The, uh, the cover is uh, pretty excellent, even though it really kind of doesn't happen in the issue. Um it, uh, but the the werewolf Lobo brother j- jumping at Spider Man the way Savu uh, Savuk Savuk the regular yeah. web you know has Spider Man's spider sense and the Ranger being save me Spider Man don't let him kill me I absolutely always love when they put word balloons on the cover and it's not just like a giant piece of artwork you know when the cover actually has something to do with what's going on in the issue oh absolutely I think that this has very much been an, a lost art you've seen with Marvel. Co- Covers that it's very much like oh check out this cute cover by this famous artist which has literally usually nothing to do with the story but something like this it basically a one image says this is what's happening in the issue you want to know what's going on open it right and all of amazing through you know since like you know uh uh Dan Slott and Nick Spencer, when they were taking over as writers, they do get to dictate, because I asked Nick Spencer this when I met him, about, like, do you get to dictate how the cover is going to be? He goes, yeah, I have to put my influence in there, and I always want to make sure, and I had the same conversation with him. He's like, yeah, I totally agree with you. I want the covers to always show what's going on in the issue. I'm all for, like, the artists, you know, rendition covers as well, because that's why they're variants, but the main cover should be the main cover artist, and it should be showing you you know, what's going to be taking place. Um, and he's right. done that a lot with his books, having like word balloons on it. Like there's one where Spider-Man and Chance are like beating, you know, fighting each other. And Jonah's leaning mm. outside the window with a microphone saying, can we get a word for the public, Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> he tried yeah. to get this podcast that Spider-Man was supposed to do an interview for. Well, Peter Parker agreed to Jonah to do the interview. But, of course, mm-hmm. the villain, you know, catastrophe happens and Peter has to leave. And Jonah's like, this is why people hate you, Parker. <laughs> Pretty much. But, you know, again, you know, uh, th- 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 this whole thing was really well-paced. As always, everybody gets their moment to shine. It was so surprising to see, you know, Mark Bagley was the guest penciler. Right. And you can really he see. He wasn't the regular penciler of Amazing yet. Uh, he wouldn't be until 1993. Right. So it was so crazy seeing, like, excuse me, seeing his early style when I'm so used to it being, uh, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man. And even now, back on Nick Spencer's run where he's occasionally on it. Right. And he's gonna be the uh, he's gonna be the interior artist for the Nick Spencer miniseries, The Sinister War, where Doctor Octopus's Sinister Six goes to war against the Vulture's Savage Six. Can't wait! That's gonna yes, be so that is gonna great. Be awesome, gorgeous. Neil, I'm sure you're aware of this. I am not. Yes, Doctor Octopus is back. Um, he got his old body back and his continuity of. Um, him being, you know, uh, the Peter Parker clone body, that whole, you know, shenanigan thing is, is, is still in continuity, but he doesn't remember Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and he's reforming the Sinister Six. Um, he's back in his traditional green costume too, you know, where he's got like, mm-hmm. he's got like chest and arm leg muscles, but he's still got like a fat belly. <laughs> It's so silly looking. So this is yeah. just in time for No Way Home. Yeah, possibly. We still have no confirmation of who's in that movie, so I'm not gonna overly speculate. Yeah. But the but. Savage Six is the Vulture's all animal crew. Basically, they're all animal, you know, related supervillains mm-hmm. uh, left over from uh, the 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 time that he kind of, sort of, but he's a big liar about how he did it. Led the animal villains of the Marvel Universe against Craven the Hunter and all of his uh, psycho stalker, serial killer, assassin hunter people in a storyline. I think it was the, the the big the big hunt. Yeah, it was the big... I was going to say it was definitely the big hunt, which was early in, in Nick Spencer's run, because I know Humberto Ramos was the artist for that. Right, so. yes, and excellent. And it ended with, once again, Craven uh, feeling disgraced, so he goes and blows his goddamn back of his skull out. I'm not even Yep. <laughs> no, no, because... Uh, yeah. Nick said later on in, in, in an interview, yep, I did that on purpose. I thought Craven should have stayed dead, so I killed him again. <laughs> and what better way to keep a villain dead than blowing out your freaking brains? <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can come back from that, but yet Marvel will be like, oh, no, <laughs> we've got Craven's. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap, we're going to go multiverse. Oh, yeah, but, we got a movie coming out. Damn it. <laughs> exactly. But the whole thing was great. And again, I just love, I have to say, reading this run, I still love the little peppering of horror influence you see all the time. You know, like Spider-Man fighting essentially werewolves. Like, what? Like, you expect, right. like, Go- Ghost Rider or Doctor Strange or Morbius to be dealing with this shit. But... You see that, and he's just like, I couldn't have fought a werewolf last time, right? That's no, what? Yep, and I'm like, left over from the uh, Inferno storyline, exactly. You know, and then you still have that, and you know, it's just also on top of it, it's just nice to see because sometimes I feel like people look at Chameleon and like, who the hell is this guy? Like, how does he stack up to the other Spidey villains? And, and, and then you, you see, and another thing that's incredibly relevant to what's going on in Amazing Spider-Man right now, the Chameleon conspiracy, where uh, Chameleon has. Uh, kind of sort of kidnapped um, Teresa Parker, Peter's sister, to 
mm-hmm. kill the finisher, who is the man um, who murdered Peter and Teresa's parents, Richard and Mary Parker. Right. And he was disguised as the uh, fake Red Skull. Because the Red Skull at the time was uh, supposedly dead, I guess. Captain America was running around, but I don't know where the Red Skull right. was at the time. Anyway, regardless, the finisher, the finisher is the man who killed Peter and Mary, uh, Peter and Teresa's uh, mother and father, the shield agent, yeah. Peter Mary Parker. Um, by yeah. the way, did you notice when Lobo kisses Gloria, it looks like his eyes are still open. I just don't think they colored his uh, eyelids correctly. Yeah, that was a little weird. And and, and you know this uh, the funny thing is, I like how Peter just is still so like oblivious to things like his spider sense has literally saved his life multiple times. Wouldn't he think to like investigate? Like, I wonder if my spider sense keeps going off around these people. Like really? Yeah. He should be investigating Jonah more like following him home and then go, you know, and then going, Hey, why is Jonah tied up in the bed, misshaven and uh, smelling bad? And he's supposedly outside having a cognac on his patio. What is going on? Or follow Gloria's boyfriend, uh, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, very odd skin tone for him. He looks the same skin color as Peter Parker. He's supposed to be Latino from Mexico. Wouldn't he be a little slightly darker darker shade than Gloria, who's supposed to be black, by the way? Absolutely. And then I I have to say, I feel like the, the weakest thing in this story was all of the Peter and Mary Jane moments. Like you had the weird thing still going on with the cousin and now she has a dark secret. I was like, yeah, the 16 year old who was crushing hard on a grown man. Yeah, that's not weird. But and then you had the, the the apartment thing was funny. I was like, okay. Right. And then you yep. also have uh, Mary Jane's co-star. I don't know what that plot line was from. That was from an issue we did not read. I was just like, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole like, you know, she's like, oh, I'm here to visit you. Like, oh, shut up. Do you have drugs? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You know? Because supermodels do nothing but cocaine and, and glasses of champagne. Don't you know that? I, I, I apparently, Leo, did you know this? I had no idea. I thought I, it I was thought, just. I thought everybody knew that. I, I also, thought we, I thought so we were just here to Lobo, stop Mugatu. The Lobo brothers are distinguished by their fur. Uh, the one that's <laughs> a Gloria is a black uh, furred uh, werewolf, the other one is a like a tan or brown uh, furred right. werewolf. That, that's how you you can tell the, you know that's important for the police report. Well, he was it was a it was a dark, it was a darker toned werewolf. I was like I was definitely gray gray fur. I'm like ah that's the third gray well, skull. That's I, the third one this week. That that's how you tell the uh, the southern and northern wolves, right? Right. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> um, so. By the way, did you see uh, <laughs> they? Um, I'm sorry, I threw you for no, a loop there, Chris. Totally yeah, he did. Uh, Okay, so yeah, Spider-Man does fight the werewolf in this. It looks like the werewolf gets him right in the guts. Yeah. Um, Unless that's just he dodges just in time and it just slashes his costume because he doesn't look like he's holding his side or he's in any kind of pain, Mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of the issue. Yeah, it's like, is there like a warning shot version of claws? Like, I only scratched you a little. I didn't gut you. Well, it looks like there's blood, though, or is that piece of the soup? It just looks like pieces of the soup. Okay. Yeah. Like, God damn it! I got a sew tonight. Come on. Ugh. So this is taking place, like I said, concurrently with one uh, spectacular one fifty one because uh, we left off one fifty one with Gloria learning the truth about her boyfriend. But in this, they're still lip locking in the lobby. Mm-hmm. So and Kate Cushing, um, you know, in this issue, 
decides to start following Gloria around. She's doing the investigative reporting that she should be. Because don't forget, Peter is also a journalist, is, is a photojournalist. He's a photographer. He's also in school. He's dealing with the thing with the you know being kicked out of his apartment, having to live with Aunt May again and Christy. Mm-hmm. And the gang war, um, and Jonah's, uh, you know, like just slandering campaign against Spider-Man, plus Robbie also being in prison, plus whatever's happening over in Amazing Spider-Man as well, uh, which I think the yeah. Scorpion, I think it's the Scorpion, uh, is uh, is back over in that. Um, mm. So he's got a lot to do. So Kate Cushing, who is, by the way, an investigative journalist, is the one doing okay. the investigating on the Lobo brothers and Gloria's boyfriend. So she's doing okay. her job correctly. Okay, that's good. And I, I just want to bring up this point to you, and I want to ask you guys your opinion because, like, there, there's always this debate about the kingpin: is he more a Spider-Man villain or a Daredevil villain? And like He's you old. see this here, yeah. But I always feel like I always see him as more of a Daredevil villain. You know, he appeared in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number fifty. Yeah, I know it, it's not perfect, but I just feel like I always like even in this one, like the Ranger is just like, God, this this like. Everything's falling apart, and all you care about is your war with Daredevil. And I'm just like, yeah, like he's always, you know, it's always that. And then it's like, oh yeah, and Spider Man's annoying too, but Daredevil. Like, right. I don't know what's going on currently in Daredevil. I'm all really far behind. The last thing I read was um, he uh, found out that, of course, the Purple Man, who is a rapist, you know, raped a bunch of women, had purple children with them, and then was going to use their superpowers to uh, mind control every human being on the planet Earth. But Daredevil turned it around on him, freed the kids, and as a gift to Daredevil, the children all said, we're going to do you one better. We're going to wipe out everyone's memory of who you are, Matt Murdock. And they did it anyway, even though he was like, yeah, I don't know if you should be messing with people's brains. And sure enough, they were like, no, no, it's okay. We'll do it for you. <laughs> was it, that, it was, that was in the Mark Wade run, right? No, it wasn't. Okay. Yes, no. I... Yeah. Uh, there was a run in between um, the, the back and black and, um, I, I, it's so we're on like the third relaunch of Daredevil again. <laughs> it's really hard to keep up. I know he's in jail right now. I does I don't know if that means everyone or Matt Murdock's in jail. So I don't know if that note means everyone knows he's Daredevil again. But I know Peter knows again, and I know Elektra knows because mm-hmm. Elektra had to become Daredevil recently. Listen, I I just uh, it's so hard to keep up these days. So yeah, like I some you know whatever. So it's a title but, I, oh, I'm years behind on. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Trust me. The only time I really cared was when it was Mark Wade writing it because I loved that run. Yeah, but it was um, a very colorful, uh, bright run too. The art really pops. Indeed, but yeah, and I and also I've always enjoyed. I just want to say this out. I've always enjoyed Hammerhead as a Spider-Man villain. Maybe that's just the, the. I remember playing against him in the PlayStation Spider-Man game, but it was just nice to see him here doing the thing he does with just charging at people, and you know his head hits the wall, leaves the mark, and then nope. But it was again. It was just it was uh it was good to see him playing a role and. You know, setting that up because you know he's going to play a part later on. But uh, yeah, overall, again, this is more of Jerry Conway, his good pacing. You know, everybody gets a little, little beat. All storylines advance a little. It's just still so weird that, like you said, this is happening almost in tandem with 151. I feel like you don't see that that kind of close proximity storytelling these days. Like everything is always spaced out, and the timeline is very loose. And look, yeah, look at that heroic at the end, like. Hmm, power and responsibility. Damn it. Right. That's just- 
Well, why don't we jump yeah. over to the spectacular Spider-Man number one fifty-two, a uh, Wolf's Tale, uh, which is basically what we've been doing all night is a Wolf's Tale. Uh, this was published July nineteen eighty-nine, which means it actually would have come out in May of eighty-nine, two months prior, and that's when mm-hmm. Batman came out. Uh, editor in chief is Tom DeFalco, and the penciler, inker, and cover artist are all Sal. The writer is Jerry Conway, so he wrote both issues. Mm-hmm. Colorist Bob Sharon, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scallop. And Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Stalked by two werewolves, Spider-Man carries a wounded J. Jonah Jameson to safety. However, Jameson doesn't have enough strength to keep going, and one of the Lobo brother, the one of the what you believe to be the Lobo brothers, murders Jameson and then kills Spider-Man. And then one of they both were back. It's revealed to be Eduardo and Gloria, and Gloria has turned into a werewolf. She wakes up from this fever dream, not realizing what is happening or who it is that's sitting in front of her, but she. She knows it's her boyfriend, and she doesn't quite understand any of the events that are happening. Spider-Man, um, oh, sorry, outside the apartment, uh, Joy Mercado, I'm sorry, it's not Kate Cushing, Joy Mercado feels that she's a horrible friend for spying on Gloria, but she knows that uh, everything about the Lobo brothers is nothing good, and she needs to alert her friend. Uh, Spider-Man can't believe that he is thinking about uh, the helping out the Arranger, considering he works for the Kingpin, and the Kingpin is a big bad scumbag. Sp- scumbag. Uh, while we take a break from Spider-Man's drama, we go over to prison, and in prison, Robbie Robinson is making nice friends with a big dude, because he's got a pretty mouth. <laughs> uh, it's uh, kind of creepy and kind of weird. Spider-Man's friends, uh, Flash Thompson and Harry Osborn, try to tear up Peter, but to no avail, Peter has a lot of problems dealing with the fact that he and MJ are spending every waking moment trying to find a new place to live. Eduardo explains to Gloria the origin of where they come from and who they are and how he fell about the woman named Esmeralda, and she was killed, and they realize they are some kind of mutants, basically, and they came to New York, and then he goes over the events of the previous issues that we've already uh, discussed. Gloria doesn't care. She truly loves him for who he is and wants to continue having bestiality sex with him. Spider-Man returns home to Mary Jane, and Christie is overhearing the entire conversation, possibly learning that Peter is now Spider-Man, and the dark secret of Christie's uh, super dark secret is yet to be revealed. But it foreshadows like it's something that is going to impact Spider-Man in a big way. No, she has bulimia. She falls. At, she falls down. She passes out. She gets better, and they kick her out of the book. That's it. Perfect. I absolutely love the cover. The Lobo Brothers attack, and the nightmare begins. And just showing the bloodied Spider-Man in Jonah Jameson is just straight out of a horror movie. True story. Yeah, it's great. It's so uh, violent of a cover, too, and it's not even anything happening. But the you hear the Jonah, the crunch, and Spider-Man's like, oh my god, Jonah. And then the rip of his throat being ripped open is so awesome. Oh yeah, totally, absolutely, and then and then it just it and then you have the whole glory shock moment, and it's just like it just can, completes the the horror moment. The the funny thing for me was when I was reading it, and you just see him, like uh, I guess the Eduardo, right? Just yeah. t- just said fuzzy. I'm like, oh, who let Wolverine in here? Like <laughs> Eduardo, um, as a werewolf or half werewolf, isn't as attractive as Gloria, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a thing yeah. for howling too. My sister is a werewolf. There you go. But <laughs> it, it, um, it, it, yeah, it's just it's so uh, so much. And then I just enjoy 
how the entire time Spider-Man's like, am I, am I going to help? Am I going to help? And he's like, I, I might. And I'm like, dude, you know you're going to help. You know, nobody, even if it's working with scum. Yeah. Nobody can draw elongated mouths uh, thrown open and scream quite as well as Sal can when Spider-Man drops in on this uh, uh, gun concert at the uh, Vitelli's warehouse and kicks their mm-hmm. ass with the bam sound effect. They're all their mouths are like, oh, like the scream poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 pretty random, and then I, what I enjoy the, the whole time is that is that the only thing Spider Man is really more annoyed at besides the fact that everybody got away is that he's soaking wet. He's like, I gotta pull myself out of the water, up the up the wall, and then no one's there. Everything sucks. Now more there's no romantic interest for the other Lobo brother. He's just having to run around and deal with Spider Man. The other one is getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no wonder he's he's so aggressive. Like the you know he's he's not getting to sow his wild oats. Apparently so, not. Yeah. I would but, love to see this done in some capacity with the Lobo brothers, but they would really need to build up a Spider-Man, you know, continuity uh, as a, as a series uh, that's not so child friendly and cutesy to sell fucking toys every five seconds. You know, kind of like the 90s cartoon or something. I like it when Spider-Man's like older. You know, we don't, we have Miles Morales to be the young kid Spider-Man now. Start marketing Peter in animation and things to be older and in his 20s. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Do you right. think going forward at any time soon in our lives, we're not going to see older parent Superman anymore? No. I mean, it's already bleeding into the, uh, you know, the, the CW show. And I guarantee at some point in cartoons, we'll start seeing, you know, Jonathan Kent as well. That's that's the evolution of characters. You know what I mean? And that's why you can oh, yeah. have, like, you know, a younger version of that character being a different character, such as Miles or Jonathan, you know? Mm. I mean, I think it's just the thing being is that we have to acknowledge that characters will naturally age. I mean, that was one of the best things about Vertigo is that their version of John Constantine aged naturally. You know, by the time Vertigo was canceled, he was in his 60s. You know, I mean, yeah, even like the one character that's still aging naturally to this day is Judge Dredd. You know, he's clearly older than he was back in the 60s and stuff and they show it and they're like he's like yeah i I can't do things like i used to but i am the law you know Uh but and and leo you know just uh you were just flipping through like i found the the whole how the lobo brothers is moment to be so amazingly soap opera-esque that you know i mean literally the guy is is the brother of the girl was literally cracking him with a whip i was like what time era is this like like what Indiana Jones level crap is this? Like, look at that. He's like, he's right there. He's like, you know, ah, I'm gonna get you for trying to trying to deflower my sister, will ya? The Lobo brothers, uh, they so they are confirmed to be mutants. So I guess they're like Wolfbane, who is part of uh, New mm-hmm. Mutants. Yeah. Yeah. She'd have they'd have to be right because I mean, otherwise you're like um, Jack Russell or John Jameson. Yeah, you know, man, yeah, man, wolf, a werewolf by night, absolutely. Or whoever but, the current werewolf by night is, the Native American kid that they tried to do in that four issue series, which sucked. It was fine. So dull. It wasn't. The problem being is that 
is that they try to release these newer characters to continue the legacies. But the problem being is that you've got to have a strong hook. And, you know, when, when you try to show a little diversity, but your, your, your angle isn't there, you can have the most diverse character in the world. It'll still flop, which is disappointing because, you know, when you were reading it, I was like, there's a good idea here, but I feel like it's getting lost in the execution. Oh, you like, mean like every time they try to give a gay character their own comic book and it gets canceled after five to six issues and then the gay community complains and, it's, and that the comic book stores are like, okay, where were you when we had, you know, five copies, ten copies an issue that were sitting on the shelf that nobody bought? Right. Well, yeah. Where I'm were you sorry, when you Iceman... Know, you, you can't yeah. you complain about something that you're being given, but you're not buying it. You know, it's like, it, it just... Uh, it, I know they got an Alan Scott... Like, thank God it's just a miniseries. It's not an ongoing. But they got an Alan Scott miniseries coming up, and that's fine. But American Chavez, it just... It didn't work for her, and they keep trying with that. I mean, there are certain characters that, regardless of skin color, sexual orientation, or religion, they're not support. They're not A-list characters to support a book. They're background characters on a team, like the Avengers or the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. for, Scarlet Witch and Vision could have the greatest Disney Plus show of all time, but they're not going to support a goddamn comic book ever. It's right. I mean, and and some of it is very much of the time. Like I was still impressed that Morbius lasted as long as he did. I mean, he had like you know couple of dozen issues i was like wow that's impressive for essentially uh oh that's because they forgot to keep cancel they forgot to cancel books the next. they just like letting them go yeah <laughs> but i mean but look again, at ghost rider ghost rider is a cool character but he can't yeah. keep a book going <laughs> yeah they keep trying they keep, they trying, keep with him. trying with ghost rider anyway back to the lobo brothers so right. um it, i would love to see these characters come back at some point they did at, well the one that got killed came back in the clone conspiracy but the less said about that the better uh, and it's funny because i remember when they i believe it was them they fought kane when he was the scarlet spider i believe like we, like back when that was happening a series oh and, them, yeah the one that lived came back to fight kane mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i was just like because one of them has still stayed dead until the clone yeah. conspiracy, which doesn't really yeah. count that's i guess right their body reanimated with clone crap that Ben Riley stuck in them. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, except for the new Ned Leeds that's back that begs the question, is that Ned Leeds the clone or is that Ned Leeds actually back from the dead? Yeah. Oh, and then oh, sorry, they did explain it. They finally explained it. He is Ned Leeds back. He is Ned Leeds. He never died. He crawled his way out of the grave and like had amnesia and wandered the earth and came back and banged Betty and now the sheep pregnant. I'm not even joking. It's the Harry Osborne explanation of like more goblin formula. And then I kind of died because I got stopped to death by the foreigners' men. But now I'm back. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. Um, but I still would like to point out again. I still don't understand like what's going on with Robbie in prison, especially big old Bruiser. Uh, like it's, it's coming up soon. There's a couple of uh, there's like two to three back to back issues of Robbie, uh, Spider Man going to prison to help Robbie, Robbie and Tombstone on the run, and then Spider Man mm-hmm. trying to find Robbie and and meeting up with a bunch of mutants ugly mutant morlock freaky looking things <laughs> right but it's just, especially like here this whole thing like it's so weird seeing tombstone who's a pretty tough character i mean you know and you got this one guy who's just you know it's like he's a an african-american juggernaut looking dude he looks like a black um, kingpin. yeah actually he looks like michael clark duncan when he was a oh, kingpin yeah. Yeah. yes yes which is an excellent portrayal of the kingpin by the way 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought um, that was yeah. Kingpin, but I do like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio better. I thought Vincent D'Onofrio just it, it just had more chance to do something with the character than the 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 little time that Clark Duncan did. However, by the way, Clark did get to play King uh, Kingpin one more time as the voice of the Kingpin in the MTV Spider-Man cartoon Spider-Man's series. It. Well, yep, the one that Neil Patrick Harris voiced. Yeah, I remember yep. that. That was yep. really the random. On a terrible, terrible cliffhanger. <laughs> Absolutely. But we won't talk about that. But yeah, so it's just even that you just have Bruiser just looking at it was like, nope, Tombstone ain't going to do nothing while I'm in solitary to you. You take care, Robertson. Smacks him on the ass, lets him go. Yeah. I was just uh, like, well, oh, don't get too, like I said, don't get too, too attached to that character. No, I'm not. It's just still really funny. But, right. Um, but, but again, Conway just does, like, I love the way Jerry Conway, and again, whenever he's doing it, even though he works flawlessly with Sal, just every story is progressed. And, you know, there's nothing that's really left too much. I mean, yeah, we now know what happens to Mary Jane's cousin, and it's stupid, with all due respect to people who have that disease. You know, it's everything is moved. So you don't feel like certain stuff got, you know, like some stories, you feel like certain things get left. Like, just like, oh, yeah, we, we, that story, like, yeah, we just chucked that. It wasn't doing anything for us. Like, this, everything works, everything progresses, and it's just great. I'm surprised that Peter and Mary Jane are currently together in Spider-Man that uh, Christy hasn't popped back up. (laughs) Dear God. Because Nick Spencer is all about that continuity, and everything that ever happened to Spider-Man, in his opinion, happened to Spider-Man. He's like, I will bring it up if I need to. Everything's happened previously has happened. I mean, that's the whole thing with, like, Ned Leeds and, like, Man, they did a bunch of references to like, oh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine number one, Spider-Man number two eighty nine, well, Spider-Man number thirty. <laughs> you know, all the pieces of the Ned Leeds puzzle of him being Hobgoblin, which would reveal him to not be Hobgoblin. Well, you know, it's I feel like it's a logical thing though. I mean, I, they, there's always with so much stories, continuity, and there's so many retcons. Like it's just kind of nice that we finally start tying up loose ends. We give some sort of sense of beginning middle and end and and right. you know it just because it just because it was long ago doesn't mean you have to read it it's just it was there if you want next to issue, next issue spider-man battles hammerhead for his very life tombstone and bruiser stage a death duel for the life of joe robertson <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Whoever oh boy. special friend in prison uh oh, right. Spider-Man, the wall crawler confronts both lobo brothers for the first time um, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 318, the Scorpion returns with a new and deadlier tail. By the way, that's the first time the Scorpion would get the, the talon on his tail. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. Go to the profile in this book was by, was by the way, for Dwayne McDuffie, the great late Dwayne McDuffie, who I had no idea worked at Marvel as well. I thought he was only a DC guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. No and man, the stuff that he did up for Marvel, he worked on the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh, comic book adaptation, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit comic book adaptation, the X-Men mm-hmm. cartoon graphic novel, Pride of the X-Men, the Punisher movie mm-hmm. graphic novel, and the Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street I, uh, graphic novel. Uh, comic book imprint uh epic imprint is that marvel's really mature magazine line yeah i think so okay yeah i had no idea that he worked on all those adaptations uh for marvel that was his big marvel job i come to find out oh that's cool i had no idea i had no idea either all right go Dwayne. yeah uh well he's dead (laughs) well but it's still we can still appreciate um uh, okay, by the way, yeah. Stan Soapbox says uh, Stanley wants you to go watch NBC's TV's uh, Return of the Incredible Hulk, guest starring the Mighty Thor. Do you remember that movie? 
Oh my god. I do, yeah. Oh I, didn't my realize god. That was, I didn't realize that was 1989 that movie came out. Listen, you. we see a lot of versions. Let me, someone do that version of the con. I would take that photo. That Thor was. I've seen horrible. that Thor before. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the Luke Rigno and that Thor. I've seen. Um, I've never seen anyone do John Reese Davis's, uh, you know, speaking of the Kingpin, John Reese Davis was the original Kingpin. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, I met at Rhode Island Comic Con the actor who played um, uh, Daredevil, Red Brown. Yeah. He was the first Daredevil. And I said to him, hey, your Daredevil is actually pretty good. It was a black costume before they did a black costume Daredevil in the John Romita Jr. Daredevil, Man Without Fear miniseries. Oh, yeah. And he that, says, well, yeah, a lot of people say that. I, that, they, that wasn't out before my Daredevil. And he's like, I was like, no, that John Romita Jr. series came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So next week on the show, we got two issues once again. We're going to be covering Web of Spider-Man number 53, which ties into the Lobo storyline. A very cool cover. It's got Spider-Man on a web and the floating heads of like all of his enemies around him. Oh, nice. As well as Spectacular Spider-Man 153, which also continues a piece of the Lobo storyline. And I think the Lobo storyline is coming to a close soon as uh, Gloria confronts her boyfriend, uh, much to the dismay of Spider-Man in an unfortunate way. Yeah, we cannot confirm or deny that silver bullets were used to end the Lobo brothers. Wasn't Gloria on the original Spider-Man TV series, Leo? Who was the black woman that was Jameson's secretary? I think so. Don't remember. Right? During the TV series, not the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Yeah. But the TV, because the movie had Robbie in it. But the TV series, for the 13 episodes, there was a black woman who was Jameson's secretary. It had to be Gloria. Yeah, it was a 70s show, right? Yeah, it was the, yeah the one that we when we met uh, Nicholas Hammond yeah. at the Comic Con. Oh my God, no, that's not Gloria. Her name was Rita. What? Yes, her name was Rita. I don't know if Gloria had been invented in the comics yet, uh, because mm. uh, Betty was Jameson's secretary forever. Yeah. But eventually, when she married Ned Leeds and they moved, you know, they moved away for a while. Uh, Jameson got a new secretary, and it happened to be Gloria. And that actually, her and Peter actually dated, uh, you know, here and there. Yeah, There's uh, a few Marvel team up that go on a. Not romantically, I think it's like more of a friendly date, but you know, still very progressive yeah. Marvel to put Peter Parker with a black woman in the in the seventies. The they actually go to a carnival show to see a stunt show of Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider. And yeah, I was played by uh, oh Chip Fields. She yes, was... <laughs> yes. And... Uh, but Gloria was on the nineties animated Spider-Man cartoon series because they didn't have Betty on that show. I think. No, I don't think so either. Because I remember there was a, the episode the chameleon shows up. The chameleon per- impersonates her. That's silly chameleon. Yeah, which by the way, they um, all the stuff with the chameleon that all took place in continuity. According to Nick Spencer, they they did cover the whole you know robotic parents thing and everything. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, because yeah. uh, Ter- Teresa just found out about her parents coming back from the dead as robots. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week with issues 153 of Spectacular and 53 of Web of, or Skipping 52. It's pretty much a standalone J. Jonah Jameson reminiscing about his past origin story kind of thing, where he was, mm-hmm. where he's gone, trading spider slayers and scorpions, and where he is yep. now tied up, you know, to his own bed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, where can everyone find you, Drew? Uh, yes, I am on Facebook. You can look me up. I'm also on Instagram, GhostbusterMan1984. Uh, I write for Screen Rant, so you can look up Drew Miles Screen Rant. And um, 
You can find me here on The Dorkening. And as of right now, I'm working on a super secret comic project. Not really super secret. We talk about it all the time. But with Chris involving um, giving light to uh, deceased comic book creators that we are working on very hard. And research is great. Just to sum up basically what he said in, 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 uh, in less words, it's called De- Deceased Legends of Comics. Cool. What he said. And you can find me over on uh, my other uh, uh, Dorkening Network show, the Hammer Horror Podcast, Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, which is coming back uh, after a brief hiatus. We also have a new episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast, coming up uh, this uh, Friday, uh, covering issues 14 and 15 of Volume 2. Uh, and uh, the creator of Hack Slash will be on the Splash Pages coming up in August for Superman versus Lobo number one. Oh, and, sweet. And you can also find me over on Vlada, the Dracula Tale, and buy a copy of Vlada, a Dracula Tale, uh, or uh, pre order the, uh, the audiobook by Diana Porter. So cool. cool. My vampire empire continues. <laughs> <laughs> one, one drop of blood at a time. Yeah. And uh, with that, you guys have a good night. Bye. Sam, have a good night, everybody. Do you love what you hear on the podcast? Please go to Buy a Cup of Coffee. The Radio Horror link is in the show notes, but it's on top of the Twitter page. Or you can just go to buymeacupofcoffee.com backslash Radio Horror, and you can help support the other podcasts here on the Radio Horror Network. Donations go towards cloud service and new equipment. Thank you.